Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. The foulest stench is in the air, the funk of 40,000 years, and grisly ghouls from every tomb closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver, for no mere mortal can resist the evil of the thriller. <laughs> Thanks, Josh Wilson, from the Super Familiar with the Wilsons podcast for that thrilling opener. Well, hello. Hello, it's us. It's us. We're back on the Sugar-Coated Murder Podcast. Yes, and it's Ann and Karen, and we are ghost hunting in the middle of the day because we're too scared to do it at night. <laughs> but the good news is we have the absolute best tour guide in the state of South Carolina. Yes, we are very honored that Bruce Orr has given us his time. Nothing but the best. And that he's going to give us some really incredible ghost stories. Yes. So. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you, guys. Welcome, Bruce. Hello, glad to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's glad to have you. It's glad to have it's you back. It's glad to have you back. The podcast is the podcast is happy. No, that's good. <laughs> First thing I just wanted to explain to you because we're already getting off to a good start, tongue tied. So yeah, I know. One of the things about Charleston is there's a difference between spirits and ghosts. Yes. Yes. Ghosts come in haunted places. Spirits come in bottles. The I love that. The closer it gets to the weekend, the more you find people possessed by spirits. Yes. yes. So, and I love that. I love being possessed by the spirits. Yeah, I like, wish that uh, we were having spirits. I well, personally. Personally, it might make this easier. Maybe done. We'll find the spirits. Let's talk about the ghosts for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We're also here to find the ghosts. To see. Okay. Okay. Well, a uh, little bit of background. I'm a, little, I'm a retired local law enforcement officer, and uh, I was always skeptical when it comes to the ghost aspect of things. So, a couple of stories right off the bat from the law enforcement perspective. Um, back in uh, 2012, I was doing a book project. I've written five books on South Carolina's ghost tales. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go through them tonight. Oh, yeah. But uh, I did one called Haunted Somerville. And over in Somerville, South Carolina, there is a house which is known or was known as a Quackenbush List Home. The Quackenbush? Quackenbush. Now, Quackenbush, there was the first builder. And List, oh, okay. Michelle List was the owner at the time. So it had the first person that owned it and the last person. Since then, it's changed hands. Huh. But it's over near Rolling School of the Arts. And the story is that the ladies of the house would wake up and there would be a Union soldier there either standing at the foot of the bed or kneeling next to them and praying. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, Mm-mm. as Bugs Bunny said, somebody took the wrong turn at Albuquerque. If he's wearing a, <laughs> he's wearing a blue uniform, he's in the wrong area. I'm yeah. sad. He like, he's totally lost. Yeah, he's lost. He, he just made a wrong turn somewhere. Now, one of the persons that was vastly interested in this story was Bill Collins, who was the mayor at the time. Oh. 
His wife and his mother had encountered the ghost, both in that house. He had owned it, and they had encountered the ghost. So what I started doing was doing some research, and I found out that that house had been built on an area that was actually a military hospital by the Confederacy during the Civil War, and it was known as Red Hill. It was nothing but a big clay mountain. Okay. So we put a, the Civil War there, Confederate hospital. What about this blue soldier? So what ends up happening, I do the research and I find out after the war is over and during Reconstruction, they stationed a unit over there called the 1st Newburgh Regulars and it was an all black regiment, but their leader was Colonel James Beecher. Mm -hmm. James Beecher was a staunch abolitionist. He was Gary Beecher Stowe, Uncle Tom's cabin's older brother, oh. and he was a minister. So okay. now I put a blue soldier over there yes. that is a minister. Yes. Right. So if you're an investigator and you have an armed robbery and you develop a suspect, the next thing you know, need to have is proper identification. And you do that with a photo lineup or you do it with a physical lineup. Well, right, right, right. I don't Makes have sense. a physical lineup, so I did the next best thing just for giggles, and I created a ghost photo lineup. Oh, I went so on fun. Google, and I pulled up six pictures, six or nine, okay. uh, six, I believe, of uh, individuals that were in that era. Ah. And what you do when you have an armed robbery, you go to your victim and you say, okay, I've got this manila folder. It has multiple pictures in it. I want you to open it up and I want you to see if the person that robbed you is in there. He may appear younger, he may appear older, he may not be in here at all, but I want you to take a look. Well, it's just completely bonkers when you go to the person that the ghost that you saw at the foot of your bed yes. may yeah. be in here, may yes. not be in here. Oh, God. So oh, God. I want you to take a look. And I just was going through the motions. I just wanted to see how this would work out. So she opens it up, spends about 30 seconds, and she picks him right out. <gasps> and she says, I'll never forget his eyes. Yes. And I looked yeah. at her, and I said, oh, where's your restroom? She says, down the hall there, on the left. And I head down the hallway, and I go into the restroom, and I get a little upset and a little oh, unnerved no. because I just developed probable cause that a ghost existed. Yes. Oh, yeah, you did. And I was not expecting that to happen. I was not expecting her. I had to put money on it. She had never picked him out. She picked him out just like that. Oh, wow. So that got me on the track to this. Now, some interesting things. I think we covered a little bit about this before at one time. But as far as law in this country, we have two types of law. We have civil law and criminal law. Civil law, somebody comes and accidentally runs over your mailbox, you can sue them. If they do it on purpose or beat it down with a baseball bat, you can charge them criminally. So huh? civil law and criminal law. Well, there is case law in this country on both sides that say ghosts exist. Civil law. 1991 in New York, there was a man by the name of Jeffrey Stembowski. Okay. And he was buying a house from a woman by the name of Helen Ackley, if I'm not mistaken. Now he put down the down payment on the house, and then he finds out it's haunted. Oh, no. Now, he doesn't want to raise his kids in a haunted house. He doesn't want the stipulation. He's worried about resale value, and he wants to back out of the deal. Yeah. Because she's already advertised this house is haunted. She's wrote, written an article for Reader's Digest saying the house is haunted. Oh, my God. So now he wants out. Yeah. He takes her to court, and back and forth they go, back and forth they go. Uh, often lower courts deny it. It goes all the way up to the New York Supreme Court. <gasps> 
The New York Supreme Court rules that for the sake of the sale of the house, the ghost actually exists and the house is haunted. Wow. It's one of those, it's called the Ghostbusters case no. in New York. Oh, and it's wow. where the realty started changing. If you have a murder in the house, you have to report it. If you have a natural disaster or a fire or something like that that's affected the house, you have to report it. And now, if this is haunted house, you have to report it. Yes. So that really, that, I, that's that's that, is that for down, everywhere? It's starting to trickle down into some other states. A friend of mine just had a realty course on haunted houses. Oh, no yes. oh, that's amazing. So it's trickling down, but it started in 1991, again called the Ghostbusters case. But they ruled that the house was indeed haunted, and they reversed the lower court's decision, and they gave Mr. Stambowski back his money. There you go. So there is civil law that says ghosts exist. But what about criminal law? That's a little bit different. I think it was about 1897 in Greenbrier, West Virginia. There was this woman, and her name was Zona Easter Shoe, and she married a man by the name of Trout Shoe. Trout. Trout, yes, your, your yes. friend there, Trout. Yes. But as far as the ladies are concerned, never marry a man named after fish or footwear. I agree with that. Yeah, that's just that's a bad sign. Yeah. yeah. So no. she marries Trout. Now, her mother, Mary Easter, well, she does not like her new son-in-law. Her affectionate nickname for him is Satan. Oh, oh so, yeah, no. That, there's no love lost there. That's no, that's and not a good way to start your relationship. No. <laughs> something wrong with him. So next thing you know, her daughter, Zona, is found dead at the foot of the stairs. Oh, man. Yeah. So they call all the people to investigate. And by the time they get there, Trout has her back upstairs. She's, he's changed her clothing. Of course. And he's hugging her, and he's inconsolable. Nobody can get near her. So they rule it an accidental death. And then they bury her. Oh. And Mom is not satisfied. Mary Easter, for the next three consecutive nights, she starts praying. Well, she prays, and for the next three consecutive nights, her daughter comes back to her as a ghost. Okay. First night, she comes back as a ball of light. Second night, she comes back as a full-body apparition, and she's talking to her mother and telling her what had happened. Okay. That he was upset because there was no meat on the table for dinner. Well, you can't fix the meat if he's not providing it. Mm. So he starts getting in an argument with her. He violently attacks her, starts choking her, snaps her neck, and throws her down the stairs. Mm. She tells her mother all this, and while she does this, she actually turns her back on to her mother and spins her head completely around and oh, continues man. on with the conversation. So I would do that for you. I would do that for you, too. Oh, yes. I'd be like, look what I can do. Look what I can do. <laughs> I literally got eyes in the back of my head now. I am looking all around. <laughs> I'd be good at some of this traffic out here in Charleston. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I wish more God. people would use their heads and yeah. not to look in traffic. Exactly. Don't get me started on the traffic. So, she does this, and now after the third night, she's explaining some things about the case. Well, Mom goes on a crusade, and she starts with the prosecutor, and she starts telling him this tale, and he thinks she's just a grieving mother. And he humors her for a while, but it gets too much. So he says, I'm going to look into it. And he does. And he talks to the coroner, realizes the coroner never examined the body. So the more he does this, the deeper down this rabbit hole he falls. Until he decides there is something wrong with this, he gets enough probable cause to get a search warrant from a judge and exhumes the body. But oh, they wow. have to wait because the ground is frozen in West Virginia. Ah. And they have to wait till it thaws out so they can get her out. Well, when they do, she's perfectly preserved. Oh, because she's been frozen. Oh. So when they do that. the exam, they take the long neck down from her collar. She's got bruised fingerprints on her neck. Oh. When they do the exam, the autopsy, they find out her neck is broken between the first and second vertebrae. 
the only vertebrae in your neck that you can spin your head completely around. Oh my gosh. So they wow. start finding all this and they charge Trout. Now when he goes to trial, prosecutor says, all right, Mrs. Heaster, do not bring up any of this ghost junk. If you want to get ruined, you want your credibility ruined, you want all of this to backfire on you, do not bring that up. Do not even go close to that. She says, I understand. So she didn't during her testimony. During cross-examination, the defense brought it up. And they were trying to discredit her, and it backfired on them. It's the only United States case where a ghost was allowed to testify by proxy through her mother and convicted her own killer. Nice. He got sent to life in prison. Bye-bye, nice. Trout. That's exactly. Trout. Trout's gone. <laughs> so now, there is civil law and criminal law in this country that says ghosts exist. So yeah. As a retired law enforcement officer, who might argue with that? Exactly. Nobody. You can't argue. It's the law. So that's a little background. I so love now, it. Now, since we're on the Yorktown, let's go up here and talk about the Yorktown some more. Let's do All it. Right, we're going to climb some stairs yeah, now. Let's go into <laughs> I got your back, sugar. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to catch you if you fall backwards. Now, as we travel to our next spooky destination, please enjoy this spooky reading from Antonio with the Cult Worthy Podcast. Take it away, Antonio. Hello, my name is Antonio of the Cult Worthy Podcast, and this is Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. It was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived with whom you may know by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee. With a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling and killing my beautiful Annabel Lee. So that her high-born kinsmen came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulchre in this kingdom by the sea. The angels not as happy in heaven went envying her and me. And yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above, nor the demons under the sea, can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee, and the stars never rise but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so, all the night tide, I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in her sepulchre down by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea.
We are up in the birthing quarters, and that is B-E-R-T-H, yeah. not B-I-R-T-H. We are sleeping, not having babies up here. Thank you. Now, a little bit of background on this ship. Now, she was unusual from the very beginning. Believe it or not, during World War II, there were actually two aircraft carriers named Yorktown. The first one was sunk at the Battle of Midway by the Japanese. Now, Japanese, uh, they were always concerned that every time they sunk this aircraft carrier, it would reappear. So to the Japanese, it was always a phantom. Oh. So when they sunk the first aircraft carrier at the Battle of Midway, that was Yorktown CB-5, well, this ship was already in production and had a pre-designated name. But what we did is we changed the name. Oh. First, to honor the first Yorktown, and secondly, to confuse the Japanese. Heck yeah. We didn't want them to realize they sunk an aircraft carrier six months after Pearl Harbor. Sure. Oh. So it was a propaganda ploy. So to the Japanese, every time they... Sunk this ship, it kept reappearing. I love it. So they thought it was a ghost from the get-go. Good. Now, during the christening ceremony for this ship, Secretary of the Navy Frank Knox contacted Eleanor Roosevelt, the president's wife, the first lady, and asked her if she'd be interested in christening and sponsoring this, air, this Yorktown, since she had done the first one. Well, basically, she contacted them and paraphrasing what she told them. Is that really a good idea after what happened to the first one? As you remember, it's on the bottom of the ocean. Do you really want me to do the second one? Well, well isn't she witty? Isn't she so? <laughs> she agrees to it. Apparently, he's a silver-tongued devil, and he talks her into it. So okay. she agrees to the christening ceremony. During the christening ceremony, Admiral Buckmaster is giving a speech. He'd been I'm the sorry. captain. Buckmaster. Buckmaster. Not Buckmaster. No. That's an exercise machine. That's something else. It's completely different. The Buckmaster is something. I think Suzanne Summers did that. No, we're talking about Buckmaster. B-U-C-K. Gotcha. Buckmaster is giving a speech, and seven minutes into his speech, well, the ship decides to launch itself. The very first unexplained thing this ship did was after launching, she launched herself prematurely. Uh-oh. Yeah, Eleanor Roosevelt, she jump, grab, jumps up, grabs that bottle of champagne, suspended by a cord, slings it into the ship, and it bounces off. Oh, no. Nope, not a good sign. Oh, no. She's a little athletic. She catches it on the rebound. She christens the ship herself, the Admiral, and everybody running oh. down the pier trying to christen it on a drive-by christening as it heads drive off the water without, oh, no. without them. I so, like it. From the very beginning, she's having neutral Things yes, happening. A mind her. of her own. She does. She indeed does. Now, the first captain of the ship, his name was Jocko Clark. Now, Captain Jocko Clark was Native American. He was full-blooded Cherokee. So nice. he was the first Native American graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy. Think about what that took during those times. That's yeah. Right. Now, during the christening ceremony for the ship, he had the chief of the Cherokee Nation come on board as a delegate. Think about that. That's probably the first time a Native American chieftain has sat on the quote-unquote good guy side of the table yeah. since the Revolutionary War, but he put a blessing on the ship to protect it during its times of service. Nice. Now, whatever you believe, this ship served in almost 30 years. She served in three wars, World War II, part of the Korean War, and all the way through Vietnam. And during that whole time, she had 141 deaths upon her. Now, that's a miracle in that amount of time and that many right. wars. The USS Franklin CB-13 in one single day had over 800 men killed. Oh, wow. So this ship served in 30 years, three wars, and 141 wow. men. Amazing. Now, what makes that interesting, though, is that, remember, it's named after Yorktown CB-5, the one sank at the Battle of Midway? Right. That ship... It's fine, Sean. <laughs> You're listening to the noises behind us? No. It's named after Yorktown CB-5, the one sunk at the Battle of Midway. That ship sank with exactly 141 deaths upon it. No, no way. Exactly. 
After that Cherokee blessing, this ship had no more or no less than its namesake, 141 for both your towns. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Now, we keep getting a little stranger and stranger. I love this. Now, we're going to go somewhere else for a little bit. Okay. What we're going to do right now, I think I'm going to talk about Jocko Clark a second since yeah. uh, he was Cherokee. And I've got a Cherokee ghost tale for you. That's fun. This is something you don't get too often. No. So... When uh, the Native Americans had all their tales, it was oral tradition. They would pass them on verbally. And what happens is they're not written down, except for one group who had their own language, and it was the Cherokee. The Cherokee had a written language where we have an alphabet that has a single letter for a single character for a single letter. They had what was called a syllabary. So they had a certain character for a certain syllable. So they wrote down their stories. And one of the stories they had was about an evil shapeshifter witch. And she would take on the form of an elderly lady. She would wear this hooded cloak, and she'd have one hand crammed into her cloak. And she'd huddle down. She'd walk along the paths. And she'd watch the children with their parents, little girls and mothers along the river, or little boys with their fathers picking vegetables from the gardens and the crops. And what she would do is she'd wait for one of those children to wander off. And then she called to the child, little girl, come to Granny. Let Granny help you. You have dirt and briars in your hair. Oh, Mother's going to be so upset. Come oh. with Granny. Oh. Or she called to the little boy, little boy, come to Granny. Your clothes are filthy. Father's going to be so upset with you, and he may switch you. Come to me. <gasps> granny is evil. She's and a liar. Now, Granny would take her by, take the child by the hand and walk up into the woods, and she would sit down. She'd have the child place its head on her lap, and she would brush the child's hair, and she would sing to the child in this beautiful angelic voice. Well, the child would fall asleep. She'd reach down, she'd kiss the child gently on the cheek to see if the child was asleep, and if the child did not stir, then she'd pull that other hand out from underneath her cloak, where she had one big, long, bony finger on the end of that hand, and her name was Spearfinger. She'd take that spear, and she'd put it into the neck of the child, and she'd eat the child, because this is a happy story. Yes. Did you faint? Now, oh she would devour God. the children. She ate the she children. Ate the children. Yeah, she loved children's liver. I did oh. not with see that little, coming there, Bruce. Oh. Oh. Papa bean. Papa bean. I would, thought she was going to suck out their soul or something. I thought she was going to cut their heads no. off. No, no, no. She just eats them. Oh, oh just. 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 She just them eats them. Oh Obviously, this is not going over real well with the village. No. You think? Yeah, not at yeah, all. Yeah, could you oh stop kids? eating our kids? So what stop the chieftain it. does is the chieftain sends out his fastest and bravest warriors. And they encounter her. And they give chase, and she outruns them. So this ain't no ordinary granny. <laughs> no. So what he does is she he a puts, shapeshifter. Yeah, he puts a curfew right. on the village, oh. and he has everybody stay in, and then he has his troops go out, and they dig these big pits. And in the bottom of these pits, they put these sharpened stakes sticking straight up and uh. cover them up with limbs and debris, tiger traps, basically. Yeah. So what happens is they see her one evening, and they give chase. And she runs, and she falls into one of these pits. And one of the warriors runs up there to claim the victory. He's so happy. She's down in the pit, runs up to the edge, and he's hooping and hollering and claiming that victory, but he did not look into the pit. She reaches up, grabs him by the ankle, snatches him down, and makes bloody work of him. And when they look into the pit, she has sheared off those spears. They have not penetrated her skin, and now she's violent and angry. Oh, she's mad now. She is mad. She got that spear finger working. Yeah, she got that spear you? finger. She might have that middle spear finger. Yeah, I think so. Oh. I, think, too, I feel I like think. she did. She's real uh, mad. She's angry. So the warriors get around. They start firing arrows down in there, hitting mm-hmm. her, and they're bouncing off. Mm-hmm. Now the chieftain's upset, so he starts praying to his greater power. 
And as he's praying, a sparrow flies down out of a tree and lands on his shoulder. Oh. And it's making noise. He slaps it away. Oh, oh no. And it comes down and it lands on his left shoulder. He slaps it away again. Well, the third time it lands on his head, it grabs a beak full of hair and it flies away. Uh-oh. He snatches a wad out of his head. Now he's got his attention. Right. And it lands back on his shoulder. Now he's been praying for divine intervention. Yeah. And he's been ignoring it. It's been there all along. Sure. Because now he's got, the bird's got his attention. He realizes a sparrow is speaking to him in his native tongue. Ah. And what the sparrow tells him is to shoot for her wrist, the one underneath the bony finger, because that's where her heart is. Ah. And if you shoot her there, it will penetrate her heart and it will kill the witch. Okay. So he does so himself. He takes aim, he fires, that arrow goes through her wrist. She lets out a blood curdling scream. She bursts into a ball of flame and disintegrates into ash. Ooh. And that's the end of the wicked witch, you know, the spear figure. Oh. Spear and that's where the Cherokee tell us, you get that little phrase, but the little birdie told me. Oh. That's where it came from, according oh, to the Cherokee. And here it was Jack Sparrow. Oh. Yes. The whole time. Now, it's also a cautionary tale yes. from the Cherokee to tell children not to wander away Don't from their wonder. parents. Don't wander but away. But also talk to strangers. But also, it illustrates, too, that sometimes your greatest advice comes from the least, like, least likely source. Yes. And just because something seems insignificant, pay not attention. that great big, pay attention anyway. Yeah. So there's your life lesson from the church. And yes. if you don't listen to the bird, he will snatch you bald. That's, That's right. right. Exactly. That's a really good lesson. And it all goes back to Jocko Park. Jocko. Our Cherokee chieftain and uh, Captain of the ship. Love me some Jocko. Way to go, Jocko. Let's head this way. Okay. Let's head this way. Let's see what else we can encounter. Here we go. All right, so I got, I got oh, you I back. Chills. Why do I have the chills? Oh, yeah. Because there's a little bit of cool air right here. Okay. All right. Well, welcome to our hangar deck. Now, as you can see, all the aircraft here. Mostly World War II and Korean aircraft. Now, back in... Uh, 2012, Sci-Fi Channel's Ghost Hunters came on, and they did an investigation on the ship. Now, it was an episode called Haunted by Heroes. And um, when the episode was released, it was well-received, and it was actually the first time that Patriots Point had acknowledged that there might be a ghostly issue on the ship. (laughs) Now, the stories have been around for quite some time. This is the first time they actually acknowledged it. Nice. Now, when the TAPS came out here, the ghost hunting group for, for ghost hunters, Jason Hawes was interviewed. He's one of the leading members, founders of TAPS. He was interviewed by the local newspaper. He described the Yorktown as a hotbed of paranormal activity. Oh, hotbed. Hotbed. He said that each of his individual investigators had experiences on here, and when he put them in the teams, all the teams had experiences. He said that is very rare to have that much activity. So after the episode aired, it was well-received, and then... Patriots Point got with a local publisher, History Press, and they asked if there was anybody that might be interested in doing a book. Oh. And yours truly was available. Yay! So in 2012, I came out here to do this book project, Ghost of the USS Yorktown. And that was 2012 when I intended on coming out here, interviewing a bunch of people, making a bunch of recordings of their statements, taking a ton of pictures, going somewhere else, and then, like, renting a cabin. Yeah. And then writing a book. Yeah. Well, that was 2012. You see where I'm at now. This is 2012, but I'm still here. Oh, you're still yeah. here. So, yeah, I'm okay. still here. Yeah, yeah, so, I got you. I don't plan on going anywhere else. That shows you what I think about the paranormal aspect of things, but also the historic aspect and also the great ship itself. Yes. It is a wonderful vessel. Now, 
I know. I just think it's so great that the Boy Scouts come to camp on the weekends. They are so much braver than we are. Yeah, we have to come in the middle of the day. We don't do nighttime. We don't do nighttime. We just do daytime. So I love it though. When um. When I finished, or when I was doing the book, I found out there were a couple of individuals creating a ghost tour on the ship. Oh. So I met with them, and we worked out a deal where I would stay on, help write the tour. I would do the tours. I would also uh, help teach people. Sure. But I found out they were doing paranormal investigations. Oh. So I kind of negotiated where I could host those. I didn't want to do them. I wanted to tell people where things are, and I wanted to observe. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So since 2012 to about 2020, I've probably done over 60 investigations on the show. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's been interesting. Yeah. But as they say, you never forget your first time. <laughs> right, right, right. Wait, is that about ghosts? Yes. Okay, yes, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. It's all about it's the ghosts. It's all about, all about, about the ghosts. Keep forgetting. Oh my God, every time. And there's, uh, we don't even have spirits with us tonight. I know, it's not even spirits. We can't blame it on <laughs> yeah, the spirits I know, either. just blame it on me. Well, what happens January 23rd of 2013, I'm hosting a paranormal investigation for a mom and three teenage girls, Yippee-ki-yay-yay. Uh -huh. Yay. Now, this is actually a birthday present for a young girl that loves the ghost hunting aspect of things. Sure. And she's brought her best friends and her mom. So I'm hosting it. We're down below deck. Back then, they'd shut the power off in the ship, and it would be probably close to 97% dark. Wow. And once the power went out, so did the heat. So within 30 minutes, it's colder inside the ship than it, it is, is outside. outside. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're down below deck in the wee hours of the morning and the mm. pitch blackness, and we're hearing metal doors slam. These doors don't blow closed with wind. And then they're hearing muffled conversations and footsteps. No way. Yeah, something that... As folks that have been here a while, kind of used to. Yeah. It oh, wow. just comes with the territory. So we come back up here onto the hangar deck. And we're up here. And um, we're standing a little bit on the other side of that information, which was not there at the time. Sure. But we're standing a little bit further back. And as we're standing up here talking and regrouping after that, two of the young ladies point in this direction. And right here where we're standing... It's illuminated by the drink machines, and they see a person walking by. Oh. So they turn to me, and they say, who is that? And I look over here, and I say, it's just one of the security officers. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Okay. Well, Mom says it's neither security officers I saw tonight. And what she means is one's an older black gentleman, one's a young blonde female, and this is definitely a young white male you can see walking in the light. So I just say, it's just another security officer. Forgot something. It's not a big deal. So we continue to have our conversation. I'm watching them out of the corner of my eye, and Mom and the girls scan around with those big square battery camper flashlights, and they light up this whole end of the aircraft carrier. Yeah. Oh, and then God. at that point, I notice something they don't notice, and I notice he's not wearing a jacket that says security on the back, like the security oh, officer's right. So my brain defaults to cop mode, and I think we have a trespasser. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. So and now I've got to find out who he is, because if he gets off the hangar deck and disappears, we have to shut everything down, turn every light on, and find him, and because we don't know yeah. he's a threat. So, what I tell them is I'm going to try to figure out who he is. So I begin to call to him, and I'm hoping you say, hey, I'm just Joe with maintenance, and that's the end of it. But no, he doesn't even slow down. Hands in his pockets, steadily hurrying towards the tail end of the ship. No. Oh, oh, so wow. I tell them, I've got to wait. I've got to find out who he is. Y'all need to wait right here. I've got to go down there and find out who he is. So I start sprinting towards him. And as I get to about 20 feet of him, he makes a lift towards that stairwell down there. 
as I anticipated, but what I did not anticipate was a pretty round button from the U.S. Navy peacoat he's wearing. Oh, God. He's wearing a Navy peacoat. He's got a hat on and some sort of writing across the forehead, and I start rapidly downshifting. That's yeah. not what it's I like, wanted to see. Screw. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Throw that in reverse. Exactly. <laughs> Now, he makes one more step towards the stairs, and then there's no longer anything in front of me. Oh, exactly. No. And now, exactly, there is a collective gasp, and one of the young teenage girls proceeds to drop enough F-bombs to sink this aircraft. Oh, oh, right. So that is the only time you're allowed to cuss in front of an adult like that, apparently, using that agree. type of language. I completely agree. I agree with that, too. Now, she's either, one of two things has happened. She's either psychic and read everything in my mind, or she's seen exactly what I've seen. I'll take either one at this point. Right. Yeah. Now, fortunately for me, security has come out because they've heard the running, and mom and the girls run over there to the security officer. That gives me a couple of seconds to take all my fecal matter and shove it back into my sock. <laughs> because I've had a lot of things happen in my life, but I've never had a person vaporized. That takes a little in bit. Pursuit. I'm in pursuit of I'm the suspect. Pursuit. But He's but not there. He's not there anymore. <laughs> no. Oh. That's a, that's a call to spirits right oh, there. Yeah. Right that's, the that is definitely so, like, bring all the spirits that's now. Exactly. So. We all go over there and we have a conversation. Pretty much everybody's seen the exact same thing except two of the young ladies, and he said his hat was different. And what they meant is his hat looked like a chef's hat, oh. which is interesting because since the beginning of the United States Navy all the way up to 1963, they had a hat called the U.S. Navy Flat Hat. Oh. They stopped using it in 1963, actually the year before I was born. So these young teenage girls, would they have known that? Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. so. But across that forehead of that hat, it has a gold writing, U.S. Navy, exactly where I saw the writing. Right. So we all saw the same thing. They yeah. have those on display in some of the um, display cases at the Pentagon, mm -hmm. by the way, because I've seen them. Oh, mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Yep. There's only one active duty sailor in the whole United States Navy that still wears that hat, and that's really? Donald Duck. Oh. Yeah, he's the only one that still wears it. He gets away with not but wearing any a, pants. Yeah, he doesn't have to wear pants, he so doesn't he have doesn't have to wear, have to wear government either. issued <laughs> hats either. Don't ask, don't tell. So, anyway, let's head on down here. Okay. Oh, my God. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to work our way towards a place where we do the actual investigations on the ship. That's so fun. Take you guys into an area. Oh, I just got chills. The universe is saying, come I've here. Been told. It's just a cool breeze. Sugar. Now, on the ship, there is a particular... somewhere? I don't know. I'm excited like, to get there. Let roll, lady. <laughs> there Sorry. is a particular phantom on the ship that is often heard but rarely ever seen. Hmm. Oh, we didn't sign up with phantoms. <laughs> now, this phantom... <laughs> what happens is one day he was walking along the piers of Pearl Harbor enjoying, enjoying that nice Hawaiian sun. Along come two Yorktown pilots and they snatch him up. <laughs> they throw him in a trash can. They put a lid on it. They kidnap him, shanghai him, and force him into the United States Navy against his will. Wow. Oh, and man. he is a very unhappy puppy. I don't blame that's him. That's exactly what he was, a very unhappy puppy. And his name was Scrapper Shrapnel. Oh, my oh. gosh. It really Scrapper is a puppy. Was. He was a puppy. Oh, my gosh, Now, he Scrappy. became the pilot's mascot. And as you can see, they made him an honorary pilot right here. Yes. He's in his uniform, for those that can't see through the radios. I don't and understand all the, what their the social medium. But... He is in an aircraft, and he's oh wearing his own uniform. Yes. Now, I am a dad, a stepdad, and a granddad. So from this photograph right here, I can't help it. I'm obligated by contract to tell my stupid dad jokes. And this uh -huh. is my only stupid dad joke on this. Being in this aircraft, dressed in this pilot's uniform, 
I actually wonder how good he was in the dogfight. Looks overqualified to me. Oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. I'm here all week, folks. Now, Scrappy stayed on this ship for about a year. Hmm. And then he retired and went happily ever after to live with other people. But when he died, he came back and he haunts you. He's often heard wherever the pilots would be. The pilot ready room, the mission briefing rooms, the hangar deck, the flight deck. Wherever the pilots go, he would be there. Oh. Often heard. Now he's rarely seen, but one night we were doing back in the forecastle area, which is the forward part of the ship where the anchor chains come out. Uh-huh. We were back in there doing one of our tours, and a young lady captured a picture of Scrappy up on, of all things, the catwalk. Oh my where are you going to find a dog? On the catwalk. So I she don't her and keep him around the corner. So no Scrappy way. wants this ship. So, so great. So there's our Scrappy. Scraps. So let's walk I back here to our investigative area. Okay. Now, Scrappy, <laughs> actually, from my understanding from a historical point, he served in both the United States Navy and the United States Army. Wow. Why he was busy. Is there was a visiting band here, and, well, Scrappy took a great dislike to the band leader. Oh, no. <laughs> and the story is that one day, the band leader and the whole band were out there some downtime, they were sunbathing on the hangar, I mean, excuse me, on the flight deck up there getting some sun. Mm-hmm. And Scrappy did not like that, and he just marched out there, and he did not like this band member at all, so he cocked his leg and relieved himself on that band member's head. So what happens is they play Easter egg with Scrappy. All the pilots are hiding him here, and the band members are searching for oh, him. Oh, that's funny. Well, they find him, and they put him in a package, and they put him on an Army transport. That's and mean. they send him away. What? Exactly. The band yeah. members found him. So, the captain does an investigation. He finds out that Scrappy had been put into the United States Army. Oh, no. Now, they adopted him immediately, so that's how he served in the Army. But the captain turned around and went back and got his crew member. That's mm. how important Scrappy was. Yes. So, Scrappy came back to the U.S. You don't town. leave a man behind but or a dog. For a brief second, he also served in the United States Army. So Scrappy Scrappy. served in both. That's that's really impressive. Scrappy is impressive now. All right, let's head this way. Oh, Jesus, we are... Yeah, we are deep in the guts. It's not a lot of air in here. It's fine. You're good. I was good. I left the lights on down here. Usually when we go back down here, it's pitch black in the back. I cannot imagine. uh, We are in it. There's no windows. It's fine. You're good. Is she smell gasoline? We're on a ship. (laughs) We're going to burn. Oh, Bruce is going to take care of us. We're going into the bowels. <laughs> okay, you got this, Sean. <laughs> well, they'll <laughs> tell Mama we love her. <laughs> She's gonna be like, "You crazy girls! I never told you to do that." Where in the hell are we? Well, we're in the guts. We're in the bowels. Bulldog tours actually does paranormal investigations on the ship, so. The Yorktown was gracious enough to give us an area. You're, are you out of breath? Because no. the, the she's, she's claustrophobic. It's fine. She's good. She's fine. It's good. Get it together, Sugar. Don't don't make we'll me slap right. you. We're good. This is fine. It's U.S. Navy stuff. That I mean, it can't hurt us. Now, are you kidding? It can suck the life right out of us. No. Paranormal investigations, and this 
The Patriots Point, the Yorktown, has been gracious enough to give us an area to do these investigations in. That's so Good nice. So that's where we're going to step through. This is an unrestored yeah. area of the ship. Bowels so, of the boat. Now, I left the lights on for us. I was gracious enough to yeah, do I'm, that. I'm going to hold the microphone in case she turns around and runs. So let's go wow. back here and see what we may observe <laughs> right here as we go through and talk. Yes. Holy Jesus. Well, what? We're never going to hear the ghost struggle if you are, like, having a panic attack. Lord, oh, my okay. God. So, unrestored area of the ship. So, this is our death stops. So, just don't fall over the yellow barricade. Is it death stop? Yeah, we're stopping you from yeah. going to your death. Yeah, don't go to your death struggle. Oh, Wow. I mean, you couldn't find your way out of here if you had a map, like I couldn't. It would take several months for them to find their way around the the ship really well. Oh, my God. I don't like it. What (laughs) happened? Where are we? Well, there's some M&M wrappers here, so humans have been here. The whole reason that the Navy said, go ahead, take this part. There's a reason. No. Oh, it's another death trap. Death stop. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it right here. All right, here's another one. Shut up. All the way down yeah, to the very, very bottom. Oh my gosh, it really does. What? It goes all the way don't down. Look, like don't look, don't look. What if somebody's looking back? Here, now this is a decontamination oh. area. Oh man, I don't feel like there's any oxygen. There is. Slot spot. Go here. There'd be oxygen in here because this is a dressing station for if you were injured or you had to yeah. decontaminate. So there would have been oxygen back here. Oh my god. Oh Lord have mercy. Are you kidding me? So. Yes. Now we're in an unrestored section, a little bit further away from people. Now to give you an idea of this ship, this ship was of the Essex class. That was the largest classification of aircraft carrier of its day. The Yorktown belonged to that. Now this ship, you saw it from the outside, is one third the size of a modern day aircraft carrier. Yeah. So you can technically fit three of these on a new one. Yeah. She she petite. She a petite. Yeah, she is small. <laughs> now, if you cut her open and you lay her out flat, she would cover five acres. Okay. She was a floating city. Oh. And they had everything in here for a city. They had barbers, they had grocery stores, they had all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So just imagine that. And every city has ghosts. Of course. So why would this be any different? Wouldn't be. And that's the way you have to look at it. So... We're in the back, an unrestored area. What happens back here is when we do the investigations with our equipment, we have interesting things happen back here. Oh, my gosh. Tell us. Yeah. Tell us. This, again, people would have been injured back here. So we sure. have some people picked up on what they call. Um, what is that? Oh, is it a. That's something rolling above us somewhere. I think so it's that's a electronic. They have electronic voice phenomenon, EVPs. Okay. So that's disembodied voices. So sometimes back here, people have recorded people screaming. Oh, no. Crying back here, because again, they would have been injured. Yeah. Another area, though, that I liked when I did the investigations, I stopped doing them a while back, and we've got a bunch of great people with this company that still do them. They do? Yes, oh, they do them. Oh, that's wonderful so, news. Sugar, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. Oh, God. <laughs> one, of the, one of the areas back here that happens to be my favorite area um, it seems to be pretty active, believe it or not. Oh my God. Don't be sick. You can't be, be sick. The restroom. Oh, the restroom. Well, I'm sure they had a lot of activity. Sugar, don't go down there. It's a death stop. Yeah, let's do it this way. It's a death trap. <laughs> then I'll get you out of here momentarily. It's fine, Bruce. Take your time. I like it down here. What do you 
you talking about? There are no windows. It's right here. Oh, oh there's stuff on that lip. There's a lip. No, there's oh. some bolts up here that are exposed to so be careful. Oh my God, where are we, Bruce? We are in what is known in the Navy as the head. It's or the head. It is the toilets. I don't think as women we're supposed to be in this part. Oh, this is God. a party room. Now, believe it or not, there's a urinal right there, Shaw. Oh. When they set things up as their equipment, this is one of the most interesting and most active. Oh, so really? So I guess ghosts do go potty. They go poo poo. And then they go potty. boo. Yeah. <laughs> they go boo and poo at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Now, what they have done back here is they set up a grid, and basically it's a laser grid. It projects a series of laser dots on the walls, the ceiling, and the floor called yeah. a ghost grid. One of the things that I saw that I've never seen anywhere before other than this place is that about knee-high, you would see those dots bouncing off of things. Mm -hmm. Now, they shouldn't bounce off of anything unless it's something solid. So could it be dust particles? Maybe, but I've never seen that much concentrated. It was actually two different tones. It would be almost like a solid beam of light down here and it'd be smaller up here. So we didn't know what it was blocking. But oftentimes you would get movement in the stalls here too as people are videoing. Mm -hmm. So I guess the ghosts are hitting the bathrooms back here. They're hitting the head. Yeah, hitting the head back here. And yeah. That's where the term really comes from. Wow. So. Yeah. Are you okay still? No. No, Why? I'm not You okay. don't want to go sit on one of the potties? No. no, I do not. <laughs> What's around this corner? Like, I don't that, understand. Is it, oh, it just goes. It's just a cabinet. It's a deactivated cabinet. It's none of our business. It's deactivated. It's where they keep the extra TV. Is that a mirror? Yes, it is. I'm there was, it was a cabinet, actually. Part of a cabinet. Oh, it's metal. I was yeah. going to say, look in the mirror and see if there's anything behind you. You look in the mirror. I can't. I'm doing the recording. I'm sorry. So I'm going to Which way are we going? back the way we came in. And just take bit. your time because this is nice. Oh, my God. What is wrong with Look you? at that. Oh, That's my like God. A... <laughs> I just wanted to get you guys away from all the crowds. I agree, Bruce. I like it. So it's nice and quiet back here. So it is. Record. And look wow. at the nice. Ca um, these are like captain's quarters and stuff, right? Oh, yeah, that would have been more of the... Uh, the higher-ranking folks back in these. Yeah, areas. I would think so. A Actually, cot with there springs. was one that had carpet in it. So oh, my gosh. That was a rarity. Yeah. That was a highfalutin. He might have had some stars on his, <laughs> on his uniform for that one. Wow. <laughs> He's Amazing. like, there's another death stop, Shugga, so don't step in it. What was uh, this? It's just a thing. Oh, it's maybe they lay like... Some, they cut some of the stuff down there, but it was actually... What was in this section right here would have been a foam fire suppression system. Mm. Oh, okay. So where that would have created the foam back here, forced it through those tubes, and mm. then it suffocated the flames. Mm. Okay. They had something happen. Sure. So that's why that would that's have been cool. right there. Mm. <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> so I'm going to get you back out of this section into some of the bigger sections, and we'll go up to the flight deck and wrap it up up there. I'm going to read He's right here. He's not going to leave here. us. I had left. Now we're out back in the place where you thought there was no oxygen, but it turns out there is oh oxygen up here. Lord have mercy. Yeah. Again, in 2012, I talked about that Pond Somerville book. So uh, it's kind of hard to do this one without visuals, but I am because we walked over into a display area that has some uh, different things here. Yeah. Now, back in 2008, I had a friend named Ike. I'm going to try to crucify his name, Akasilianos, but Ike is close enough. All right. Now, he ran a group called Dark, Dark Waters Paranormal. 
And what he was doing around Halloween is he was going to put on an interesting show, so to speak, for Charleston City Paper. He was going to do a paranormal investigation down at the Somerville Armory. Okay. And he invited them along with a photographer, and they were going to watch what happened. And the story is what happened down in the Somerville Armory is there was a young man that came back from a deployment. And when he did, he found out that his wife had left him. Distraught, he went into the place, went into the shower, and as he was taking a shower, he shot himself in the head, committed suicide. And the place is haunted. The bathroom doors bang, their stalls open, all sorts of things, full body apparitions. So we go in and we do the investigation. Ike has invited me to help set up equipment and monitors, and we do. We set up all this equipment. And we go through this whole investigation the whole evening with this reporter there and the photographer. And not a single thing happens. Absolutely zip. So they take this, take some photographs, the photographer did, and they put it, uh, they do an article, and it's who you going to call. Oh, that's and fun. And it's kind of, they're making tongue-in-cheek yeah. fun of us, but going along with it. Yeah. And they put this photograph up. So I framed it, and I stuck it in my office. And three years later, I take it down, and it's sitting on my desk, and my wife comes by, and, I'm, and uh, she looks at it, and she says, who's that in the picture with Ike? I go, what do you mean? And she's that person right there. And over looking out behind Ike where he's looking at a computer monitor, over further from Ike looking out the windows and the doors is a soldier. Oh, wow. And he's standing there in full uniform. And what is interesting and why I stopped is he's wearing what's called the M1 helmet. Uh-huh. Now, the M1 helmet, they stopped using that in 1985. Okay. So this soldier is wearing... A helmet they stopped using in 1985, but we photographed him in 2008. So the whole time we thought we had not captured anything, the photographer accidentally did. It was a it was a paranormal photo bomb, is yes. what it actually was. Yes. So listen on us too. Yeah, actually, I, when I wrote the Somerville book in 2012, mm-hmm. I contacted Jonathan Stout, who was the photographer, and uh, told him about it, and he allowed me to use it in the book. But also, he was fascinated. He was stunned. He had no idea what he had captured in that That's photograph. Amazing. Wow! So nobody knew until my wife. Until your wife, prize. she wins the prize. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She won the prize. She married me. Yeah. That's where the scouts go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let <laughs> <sighs> you guys through here. Thank you. I can't take her anywhere, Bruce. Lord, we were inside it. We were in the colon. It was close. Let's <laughs> head this way. I felt like the colon was. Oh, oh Jesus! <laughs> what is the matter with you? It's a person. It's a real Don't person. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you need to speak to somebody. <laughs> you just start sneaking around. My gosh, we're gonna put a bell around you. <laughs> and I was leaving her behind. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, and you're on your own. <laughs> Again. A full body apparition right there. <laughs> Again. A ship is big enough to hold 3,000 people. Yes, you never know who's going to sneak up on you. Ah, oh, that is awesome. <laughs> oh. I think what we're going to do is we're going to cut through here. We're going to go up to the flight deck for a few minutes. Okay. Take a look out at our wonderful Charleston Harbor. Yeah. We're going to take the escalator up. Yay! We're gonna walk up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're so in the 1953 for the jet pilots and their heavy equipment that has gaps, gaps in it that'll cut your toes off. Oh no! no. <laughs> we want you to go home with your own toes and no one else's. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. Let's head up this way. <laughs> it really is an escalator. It is. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's so turn fun. around. There's a photograph of a fellow with that heavy jet equipment. Yes. You so brought the escalator. He deserved it. This is how I get my cardio in. Welcome to Ghost Cardio. Yeah, seriously. I'm going to have to take a nap on the deck. <laughs> Yes, it is. Now, on wrapping it up, I guess, I was going to give you from our dark side tour. Ooh. Yes, we and like the dark, dark side. dark side tour is not a ghost tour. Repeat, not a ghost tour. This is a, basically a PG-13 R-rated adult history tour. Well, that's oh, very wow. scary. Yeah, so, so, so for any children wow. that are listening. No children listen to this to podcast because podcast we say all the right, time. I know. <laughs> I'll no. just, I'll bleep it out. So, what happens, <laughs> She'll know, though. What happens is our wonderful Charleston Harbor out here. So, about 17, 18, we wake up one morning, and lo and behold, out there in the Charleston Harbor, there are four ships. That's not unusual, these four sailing ships, but what is unusual is the formation that they're in. It looks like they've created a blockade. Oh. So, we get on our little telescopes, and we look <laughs> out there, and they're all flying black flags. Honey, we have pirates for breakfast, dear. Yeah, oh, exactly. Wow. And the biggest, gnarliest-looking ship with 40 cannons all around it is flying the flag of Edward Teach. Blackbeard is in the harbor. Yes. And next to him is Steed Bonnet's ship. Oh. And then two other pirate ships. So we got two prominent pirates. Yeah. Blackbeard and Steed Bonnet's in the harbor. That's now, and they, they have created a blockade. Mm. Well. Now, there's a ship called the Crowley that tries to make a run for it, and the the captain is an idiot. He's captured in a matter of seconds. Yeah. So now they have hostages. And on board the Crowley is Samuel Ragg and his son, prominent Charleston businessman, merchant, and politician. Hmm. So now they got high-end people for a ransom. Wow. Now they hold them for ransom. And what do they want? Do they want uh, gold and gems and jewels and all that wonderful no. stuff we call the booty? Nope. They want, they want the to, booty. They don't want the booty. No, <laughs> they want nothing to do with the booty. Oh. No, that's why they're here. See, once a year out in Ocracoke, North Carolina, they have a big party called the Ocracoke Orgy. Oh. And they eat, drink, and sleep with everything that moves. So now there's an outbreak of syphilis among oh, the pirates. Oh, no, they need an antibiotic. Yes, they need <laughs> treatment. They're here for the they're here. That's exactly what they're here for. They got to get the ooze stopped. Oh, exactly. Lord. So now Ugh. what they're here for is mercury. That is a treatment. Now, I do not advise using mercury for medicinal purposes. No, I think now, we don't do that anymore. Now, you've heard of the Mad Hatter, right? Yes. So, yes. There's truth to that, because when hatters are making animal pelts into felt, they use mercury. They absorb it through their skin, they inhale it, and it dries them cuckoo for cocoa puffs. It creates nice. mercury poke. I love it. So if you're four months, you're bonkers. Mm -hmm. Anything further than that, you get homicidal and paranoid. Oh, so wow. there's truth to it. Yeah. And that's accidental. 
The yeah. pirates are using it on purpose. Oh, no. They had a saying, and they knew their mythology. They said a single night with Venus could create a lifetime with Mercury. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. that was Look a pirate saying once they got that. Yes. Now, they would put it in a brass syringe called a urethral syringe. They oh. would insert it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, and no. plunge that down there. So, no wonder Blackbeard was setting his face on fire, cutting people's throats. Oh, my gosh. That was the treatment. That, so, that's torture. They get this. They get this treatment. And Blackbeard keeps his word, and he releases all the pirates. And, well, what they do is they sail away. Blackbeard sails away, so does Steed Bonnet and the other two ships. We send out our pirate hunters, and they catch up with Steed Bonnet. Mm -hmm. They capture him, they bring him back to Charleston, and they take him before Judge Nicholas Trott. Nicholas Trott tries him. Now, he's a silver-tongued devil, and he looks at Judge Trott, and he says, Your Honor... Please, cut off my arms, cut off my legs, but leave my tongue so I can sing your praises forever. Oh. He says, screw that. I'm just going to hang you, and then we're going to put you in a cage and hang you out in the Charleston Harbor for three consecutive tides because crabs oh. got to eat, too. And that's why they did to him. Now, he haunts the old exchange building oh. down in the city of Charleston. We okay. talk about him on our Ghost and Dungeon tour. Yeah. Now, Blackbeard, though. He sailed away, and he accidentally ran the Queen Anne's Revenge aground mm. over in North Carolina. Yeah. And he had to scuttle it. He got away. He lived to fight another day, but eventually pirate hunters caught up with him and killed him, and that was the end of the golden age of piracy. Yes. So we knew the story was true about the blockade, but the rest of it, mm-hmm. Charleston being the only city held hostage because pirates had to clap, that seemed a little far-fetched <laughs> even for us. I mean, we are elite. We're an anyway, elite setting. It seemed far-fetched for us, but those, <laughs> Those archaeologists, though, in North Carolina, they found the Queen Anne's Revenge. And when they started excavating it, they found the syringes. No. Yes, they did. So the story is true. We are the only city in the history of piracy ever held hostage because pirates had to clap. Gee whiz. Why are we using that in our tourism industry? I don't know why it's not on every brochure. I am an author. I am a writer. So I already have the motto. Good. You got the drip, take a trip. See Charleston Blackbeard did, 1718. (laughs) There you go. Now I'll leave you with that one. So you got the drip, take the trip. I love it. So come see us. Thank you guys. Bruce, as usual, you are a primo guest. You are the best storyteller. And I'm telling you, if anybody is ever in Charleston, whether you got the drip or not, (laughs) find find Bruce or go to Bulldog and ask for him by name because if you don't, you're dumb. Yeah, you're just I'm dumb. Just you're silly. missing out on and just everything. Just remember, the dark side is not a ghost story. <laughs> yeah, the dark side tour is not a ghost story, and it's not. Um, it's not fit for children, no. but it is fit for adults. <laughs> and if you find yourself in the spirits, you might really be enjoying yes. it. Absolutely. So we definitely cover a lot about spirits in that one. I'm sure you ghost. do. That's awesome. That's great. And you give tours. All over Charleston? Yep, I do most of the ghost tours. The Dark Side is the only history tour I'm doing right now. Okay. And, uh, I work, at this point, I work exclusively for Bulldog. Okay. And part of that reason is when uh, John Laverne, our, our founder of Bulldog Tours, he created it, he was going to put money back into the community. So in about the 20 years that they've been doing this, they put about $5 million back into the community. I love that. At all the sites like this one, the Yorktown or Circle Congregational Graveyard or the Old City Jail. Okay. So, 
they put their money where their mouth is, and I'm all about preservation and conservation, and so is this company. That's, that's wonderful. That's Very great. good. Well, I love Bulldog. We've taken some tours. In the When we first started coming, I think we took a couple of Bulldog mm-hmm. tours, and we yeah, loved yeah. them. We didn't have Bruce, though. We had no idea what we were missing. <laughs> so, But, yes, Bruce, thank you so much. Well, this is wonderful. Thank you, USS Yorktown. You're a wonderful, majestic lady, and we appreciate yes, your is. hospitality. And of all things that we wish you is we wish that you would stay sweet, and don't murder. If you kill people, this has we been Sugar Coated and don't murder get the Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.